different type of champion. So David? Yes. We gotta sort this out. And here's what I propose. I like proposals. I propose a championship challenge match. A championship challenge? With who? With all of them? What are you talking about? I don't know all the details. I'm gonna let you figure all that out. All right. Okay. Fantastic. Championship challenge. But honestly, I'm ready to start giving opportunities to other women here and to start being the champion that this company deserves. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And it is for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Everybody wants the champion, or at least according to WOW. Hello, this is Mr. Green. This is the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast, and your review for WOW, episode 66, or 214, whichever you prefer. One is chronological, one is by season. And the show title, as I just told you, everybody wants the champion. I'm not really sure... Um, in hindsight, why it was titled that, I don't know if, if they I don't recall a bunch of people just chasing after the, the champion in this episode, or I need a title shot, or I need to, I don't recall any of that, but you know, hey, I guess we'll discover as we go along. Um, I, I guess I should start off with just saying this there's not really a lot that's happening in this episode the the most is that they had their announcement i guess that was supposed to be the big deal of this and we'll get to that as the uh as the show goes on uh but yeah it's, it's not really all that much that's happening here so i think we may have to break out a a a, a, a watch along just to kind of make this halfway interesting to some degree um but before we go to that you know i i, I want to sidebar for a second because I, I well two things one i my apologies for the late upload of the previous week's episode that was uh, episode 65 so I, I, I have to apologize for that not getting up it was supposed to have been up before um the show that i'm talking about now aired it was supposed to but for whatever reasons my software my adobe software uh, just decided that it didn't want to cooperate and, and every time every time that i tried to do it it just crashed crashed and crashed and crashed 
So I had to go through, you know, had to do what I did about a year ago and, and cleanse the system, delete a whole bunch of things, uh, uh, run for errors. I mean, just the whole nine yards to, to get it back in, in place. And I, and I realized a lot of times I'd, I cake up my system, I download it on the video that I'd have to use and and the, uh, the, the audio bites and stuff like that. And a lot of times I, I don't get rid of it, which I'm really terrible about, but I, I, I'm I'll get better. <laughs> I will get better. So, so for those of you that listened to that and heard the spoiler section, I was like, "Wait a minute, that already aired." Yeah, that's why. I'm sorry. So, that was the first thing. Second thing, which really has nothing to do with women's wrestling specifically, I, I want to just prefaces that is uh, it, Dave Meltzer and Alvarez having a discussion about AEW and their overrun. Which I I thought was just absolutely amusing, and if there was anything that was that could possibly be shown as a measure of, yeah, Dave Meltzer is either working for this company or he is too stuck up their backside, I'll say, for him to really justifiably criticize them or their decisions. This probably would be it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a, a section of audio on their show where they were, they being Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer discussing, which kind of broke into a argument of sorts about the overrun of the show. Like, hey, look, two, two weeks in a row, I've set my DVR to record this program and two weeks in a row, it cut off right at the main event. They need to do better about that. That was Alvarez's stance on the on the entire matter out alvarez i agreed with dave Meltzer on the other hand was like well no you, you know it's it's like live sports and they they have to they have over sometimes you just can't control that and you know and you you do such and such and you're just gonna have to sit for the next hour to, to record that's what i do when i record football and basketball and this that and blah 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 so yeah i i, I just felt like having actually worked live sports in TV not not hypothetically speaking I just felt like I wanted to say something about that and that yes I know Dave has been doing this thing a long time far longer than I could you know conceive I'm not gonna say conceive but far longer than I you know in terms of podcasts or talking about wrestling and this that and the other but he is absolutely wrong there. Absolutely. That, that is just, he's reaching. He's just trying to find some sort of excuse for, for people to, to give AEW a break in that regard. And no, they don't deserve that. They do not deserve that break. The reason being, because pro wrestling, by no one's metric inside of television, looks at it that way. It is not a sport in that it is an unpredictable time frame. It, it just isn't. And it doesn't matter how he tries to word it. It doesn't matter how he tries to rephrase it. It doesn't matter. Well, it's just like, no, it's not. It is not like MMA. It is not like basketball, football, soccer, none of those things. It, it is not. Alvarez said, hey, you know, they should contact the network and and try to 
get an overrun, like a five-minute overrun or whatever. And that's that would be the sensible thing to do. Either that or time to show out better. And by that, sometimes it, I mean, things happen, but sometimes you have to uh, cut and make decisions in a live broadcast. Now, granted, yeah, AEW is a live broadcast. So there is the potential of going beyond your time frame. But the network does not look at that in those ways. I don't know TBS's specific standards for how they deal with it. In CBS, we get conditions. And I'm going to say that most television stations that do that uh, live <clears throat> do a similar thing. And what the conditions are, for those who you know don't know what I'm talking about, they give you these things, you know, when the show begins so that if it goes beyond its time frame, let's just say we're doing a football game and they scheduled that game between eight and 10. That's, yeah, we'll say eight and 10. The conditions would be that if this game ends on time, you're going to do pretty much nothing. You'll just go about your, your day as usual. Because if the game ends early, usually they will provide filler internally within the, you know, within whoever is broadcasting out of the truck. They'll have somebody come out in the field, they'll interview the coach, they'll interview the players, just to buffer it out until it gets to the to its designated endpoint. They'll run recaps and you know all that good stuff. It, that's if it ends relatively on time or early if it goes beyond that that's when it starts to change everything else if it is between 10 and 10 30 you know for us it's every every half hour it's between 10 and 10 30 10 30 11 11 to 11 30 so on and so forth and what you wind up having to do is they have to tell you which shows we do not want you to touch if the if the show comes on late then the show comes on late by and large, they will pick two or three shows that air somewhere around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning that they just cut into or get rid of altogether. And so by the time 4 o'clock rolls around, the time of the schedule will get itself back on track. Those are the conditions. That's how they use that. That's how it works. Wrestling doesn't fall into that category. Wrestling is perceived and presented like a more or less a normal TV show. Now they understand that it's live and things can happen and it can it can stretch beyond this or that, but they are expecting you to finish. The networks expect pro wrestling to be done because they understand that this is by and large a scripted thing. And there's no reason for you not to cut this off. There's no reason for you to act like, oh, well, we, this match is just going on forever. We don't know when it's going to end. No, that they don't expect that at all. Nor should they. They should not be expecting or waiting for like, oh, I can't, I can't wait for this match to be over with. Now, by the time it gets to the top of the hour, this should be wrapping up. So, no. <laughs> and that's something that I would tell Dave Meltzer personally. No, that is not how this works. This does not fall into the same category as any other legitimate sport. I love pro wrestling. I, I love all of it, but it is it's not a sport in that context. I call it a sport, but it's not a sport in that the outcome is unpredictable. 
It is a predicted outcome. And sometimes, let's just call the spade a spade here. Tony Khan is going to have to make some tough calls at some point and say, look, so-and-so went over. We got to lose this match. That happens. Or you got to cut it down on time. I, After hearing that whole thing, I am fully in the mindset that he either has a lot of friends that he doesn't want to upset, probably the Young Bucks. I mean, they named a move after him, the Meltzer driver. They probably have been super buddy-buddy. <laughs> that that probably that goes a long way to the claims of he has uh, a vested interest in AEW rather than anybody else. But, yeah, now, if you ever hear that, if you happen to come across it and you hear his argument of, well, no, they, they you know, you just have to set your, your DVR or you have to you have to work harder to get it. or what? No, 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 you should not have to work harder to get that. That that is not a thing. And I, I'm telling you, I am publicly saying that to Dave Mills if he ever happens to come across this. I'm saying that as someone who is in TV, that is not a thing. They do not expect that. They don't want that. Wrestling isn't viewed that way. Wrestling isn't produced that way. Stop it. All right. Yeah, I just had to get that off my chest. Anyway, so <laughs> we are going to go into the review of the episode. Top to bottom, this is pretty much what I say with a lot of the episodes. If you're looking at it just on the surface of the match, it's probably going to be fine for you. If you look at it anywhere beyond that, uh, it, it will become questionable. But, you know, we'll we'll get into those questions as we move along. So, it begins... With a different face. That is the first really noticeable change that we have here. Apparently, Stephen Dickey either could not make it that day, had to go to his day job, was on vacation. Whatever the reasons, he just wasn't there. So we got David McClain and we have Nigel Zane. I've explained in one of these earlier podcasts who Nigel Zane is. Somebody asked the question, hey, isn't that that guy that uh, was, was back in the fabulous movie? Yes, that is him. Now, he doesn't really do that on this show I would be really, I know he mentioned the Fabulous Moolah's name, um, but it doesn't really go into the full-on endorsement of Moolah there, and it, but it won't make a difference. I mean, there, there's not enough people there that care that Moolah was pimping other women out to for them to try to cancel WoW over it or him. So that it is what it is. But anyway, um, that aside, I will say it, it was somewhat refreshing to have a different face on the show. Not only a different face, but a different voice. Now, his his voice, when I say that, I don't mean in terms of opinion, but I do mean in terms of uh, how he projects and how he talks rather than Stephen Dickey. I, I liked Stephen Dickey. I did. But as the weeks went on, it's like, you know, I'm starting to realize that he is just an echo chamber for David McClain. He doesn't provide anything different. Now, uh, Nigel Zane is not much different in that regard. He doesn't provide anything different than what David McClain does. He is somewhat of an echo chamber also. 
The difference there is that he projects better. He sounds better. He has a more authoritative voice on the mic than Stephen Diggs. If anything, it kind of pointed out the flaw that Stephen Dickey has. I mean, he when I listen to them comparatively, Dickey almost sounds like a guy, like a fan that's trying to do commentary and not be loud but yell. And it's like a, a quiet yell, if that makes sense. If you've ever seen the other guys and you've seen the quiet fight, it's kind of like that. What are you guys doing? You know, they're, they're yelling, but not really. Like I want to, I want to project and sound like I'm yelling, but I don't want to be too loud doing it. That that type of thing. So it's just, it's really strange when I, when I heard it that way. It's like, wow, he does sound like that. But um, that is the change there. We got Nigel Zane on the microphone, opposed to his colleague Stephen Dickey. Uh, they start off the show, McLean and uh, McLean and Zane. Ugh, that that might be tough to say a couple of times. Uh, they recap the championship challenge match from the previous week. They show the highlights, and and this is another case. I'm going to praise. I'm going to both praise the editors and probably condemn them at some point here. Uh, so just bear with me. But this is one of the points why I'm going to praise them because they they did the match highlights and they edited it to make. Abilene Maverick looked like a bigger deal. They, this, if you watched this without seeing the previous week, it would come across like, oh man, wow, that was the, they had a star comeback. They 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 positioned this as if, oh yeah, she was a big deal, or it was a, a surprise of some sort. Which, uh, if you listen to the last week, you know this was no surprise. This was a crowd goes mild moment at best and it was i mean more or less recapping what i said last last uh episode but it was more or less just a case of if you weren't the hardest of the hardcore fan of wow you would not have known who this person was this was not a big deal this was not some sort of uber surprise that anybody could get excited for this was nothing. Her her return was nothing. They edited it to make it look like a bigger deal, but it, the reality of it was it was pretty much nothing. You want to see a return that works, and um, well, I shouldn't even say a return, a surprise entrant or something like that 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 works and get gets people excited or something like that. Go look at uh, was Slammiversary twenty twenty one, I think. Deanna Perrazzo and a mystery opponent. And the second they had Thunder Rosa's name pop up on the screen, it's like, oh, wow. You know, and because Thunder Rosa had been seen several places, including wow. I'll, I'll give them that much credit, even though I don't think that played into how that audience reacted. But she had been everywhere. She had been, you know, on AEW television by that point, Lucha Underground. Uh, like, as I said, she's been on wow as Serpentine. And she, on the indies, had become a big name and a major deal. So that for that audience, it was a big thing. It was like, I cannot believe Thunder Rosa is going to challenge for the championship. That is a surprise entrant or return or whatever, how you choose to phrase it. 
That is a surprise. Abilene Maverick was just a name out of the wild playbook who really didn't have any more status than anyone else. And she hadn't done anything during the time that she was gone to warrant a big surprise. It just, they just pushed this so hard that it was, it was overblown for me. It was, it was very much overblown, but Again, the editors did a good job. This also set up the main event for the show. The Bees versus Abilene Maverick. And the main event. The first thing I thought was if the Beast was going to get an immediate title shot without having to do anything to earn it, why was she in the championship challenge match at all? That was that was my absolute first thought. I'm not saying that they couldn't have this main event, but, but it just, like it's a week later. And... Wow and David McClain are very inconsistent about who gets title shots and when and where and how. Like, you know, the idea that Jesse Jones, who, you know, and we have to go into her story during this show also. But the idea that Jesse Jones, who had been undefeated for the better portion of, let's just say, three years. We'll we'll count it back to the access years, which actually would be beyond three years, really. But she had been undefeated. Why would she have to qualify? Right? When everybody else got in just based on their name. Tormenta, well, she was a Mexican champion. The Beast, well, she was a former champion. Uh, Penelope Pink, she was a former champion. You know, all of them got in just based on who they were. But Jesse Jones didn't. He's really inconsistent with that. And then you have this main event where the Beast and Abilene Maverick, or well, I should say the Beast gets an immediate title shot. It also should be pointed out that this main event was absolutely spoiled <laughs> the, the, the previous week. Not only the main event, but who won the match. And that, that was just poor quality control by WoW. Uh, this... It's a fine setup. No, no, nothing they go into there. But we go into the first match. I don't know what's happening with Candy Crush right now. I mean, I know they they positioned her as, in their words, as the gatekeeper for everybody that's going into WoW or coming, you know, joining the the, the fray. However you want to uh, look at it. But she has really just been spinning her wheels there. She's not doing much of anything. And this is one of those moments where it makes me think back to this oh-so-emotional moment that David McClain had with her. I'm going for you to get the title shot. And he breaks out into tears, and so does she. And it went nowhere past that. She had the match, and then that was it. No rematch, no no chasing for the championship, nothing. She, she hadn't even brought it up. <laughs> it's just been... Well, I had my shot. Oh, well. And and she just kind of moved on. In a perfect booking environment, she would have made more sense than Abilene Maverick, quite honestly. It would have made a lot more sense just considering that she had a championship match that she never got a rematch for. Princess Ozzy pretty much took her heat <laughs> because she, Ozzy came in and, you know, that the whole feud transferred from Crush to, to Ozzy. 
it would have made a lot more sense. The, you know, the more that I'm thinking about it, that Candy Crush should have been the surprise, a wild card, and won. And then you could have paid off the uh, the blowoffs that Princess Ozzy allegedly was doing to to Candy Crush in the in the infamous wild stairwell that she did two or three times. That could have gone somewhere. She could have, you know, been. She didn't necessarily have to go full on heel. It probably would have made more sense in the wild universe because they don't really have an anti-hero. But it, it, she could have, you know, not apologized for it. Like, hey, look, you know, I never got my title match either. And that could have led off into something. You could have gotten a match with Candy Crush and, and Princess. All of these things could have taken place. And it would have made so much more sense. But, you know, we don't worry about the sensible with wow, we just kind of take it for what it is. So uh, th- that is uh, my view on Candy Crush and what could have happened with the main event. But let's go into what the match, what actually happened. We can't go into Fantasyland, right? You know, too much longer. We we got to go into what actually took place. And what actually took place was Exodus of Exile. In a singles match against Candy Crush. It should be noted, the Exodus comes out alone. And I also have to bring up, uh, I think I said it before, but it's worth repeating now especially, that um, I was sent the link of Exodus outside of WoW taking on uh, Thunder Rosa. Bring this back around to what I said earlier. And they had a match. I'm positive I talked about this now, but I'll, I'll repeat. Because here, because of seeing these two things relatively close together, it makes me feel like, ooh, I wish that she would be a little bit more careful here with her matches. And that by her, I mean Exodus. Uh, she, she had like two kind of big botches. Between these two matches, one in the uh, match with Thunder Rosa, where she pretty much smacked her head uh, on the canvas, uh, busting her mouth. She was bleeding out of her mouth later on. And here she took a, a bulldog the wrong way. But rather than to go through that, let's let's do a, a bit of a watch along here, shall we? So I am going to set up this video for myself right now. And... If you so desire, you can uh, join me in watching this match as we talk about it. Because like I said, there's not a lot going on here. So I have this right now at 0-0-0. And I am going to count this in. And when I say play, hit the play button. You might. This is giving you some time to get past the whatever ads YouTube maybe decide to throw into your your uh, your video here, but when we count down from five and we get to that and I say play, hit the play button, and we should be synced up from that point, all right? And if you're at all zeros, you should be seeing the the wow circle, the thing that they do when they their transition video. You should be seeing that. So I'm getting ready, and I'm getting ready to start in five. Four, 
three, two, one, play. So we see match one coming up, and Lauren and her nice ball gown introducing the match. And I, you know, one of the things I, I hope that she stops doing, Lauren, is is the uh non-generic trying to get the fans saying one fall all the time. I mean, they do it, but, you know, that was the thing that started out on the indies, and it happened generically. You know, it it just took place organically, I should say. It it happened organically. It wasn't like somebody was prodding them into doing it. But I know they do this because it's a TV crowd. But anyway, Exodus coming out to the ring with a bow staff. KZT, for those that see her on the independents, and and I like her. I, I I still maintain that I like that team. I like Exile, and I do not like that they seem like they're breaking this thing up. Although, because of the announcement that they have later on in the show, it might they may save it. Who knows? It's interesting to me that she has brought this bow staff out along with her partner Genesis. She brings out Numbchecks. Exodus brings out a bow staff, and not once has that ever come into play in the match. As like, okay, I'm going to use this thing to cheat to win. It not once. It's just, it's fascinating to me. It's like you've got this gimmick. Why hasn't the gimmick been used at all? So now I'm seeing uh, Candace. She's hugging somebody right now. The same lady that comes out every every show, every taping. And Crush has won me over largely because they do not have her acting anymore. And she seems like she's improving. She's one of those people that I think, you know, she. I'd like to see her someplace else just to see what she has in her. But uh, let's get to the match. They've already locked up, and we got a, a wrist lock happening there with uh, Exodus. Reversal by Crush. And what you're going to see at some point is a jump cut. And this is, and it might be right here. There's the. Some back there you go right there that was a big jump cut that is what I was going to get on the, the editors about it was just like this is happening then bam it goes off into something else and it's not like he needed a trained eye to see that either somebody who doesn't watch <laughs> wrestling much at all was looking at it it's like hey what just happened here <laughs> that was the first thing that he said out of his mouth it's like was that a bad cut so yeah the editor that should not have ever made air I understand that those things happen because, you know, sometimes you're in a rush or whatnot. But if you're considering that this has weeks of time, they should have gone back through that. Rear waist lock by Crush, short arm clothesline, drives exits down, hooks the leg one, and she's out of it. Yeah, that was bad. That was that was a, a bad thing right there. And now you can see them communicating, taking a little bit too much time there. Knee lift into the gut. Since Crush in, got, got in the kitchen sink, is what we used to call it. it was a nice kick by Exodus into Guts again. And like I said, it's not a bad match. But there are there's points where it got a little rough. Like I said, there was a little bit of a stall between them. And you could tell that they were clearly communicating with each other. And then the jump cut didn't help their match any. Exodus drives her head first into the uh, top turnbuckle pushing her hands into it. Like, I, I, I assume that's supposed to be a choke in the corner, which is not really a choke. She's just kind of pushing her up. Exodus 
takes her out to the center. Nice suplex and nice snap on it. That was a good. That was great execution there. And then she kicks out. Crush, Crush has largely worked from underneath in these matches that she's had. Even though they seem like they try their best to have these, you know, kind of back and forth contests. <clears throat> That right there, you know, that's another one of those things like it's, it's taking just a bit too long. That reversal that Crush just did, nice block by Exodus, put her down in the STO. Referee comes over, gets the count. Nope. And keep in mind, this is a cold match. There's, there's really nothing going on here beyond that is just a match, which is largely the theme of this show. And I had to say that I thought Nigel Zane did a good job on the play-by-play. I I disagree with his opinions about the fabulous Moolah, but you know he did a good job here. They're gonna need a clothesline by Exodus, and Crush comes back with a clothesline of Rome. Like well, she tried to disc his forearm, but that kind of grazed it. But the editors do did save it. Now that was what I was talking. That was a that was a bad landing on uh, Exodus there where she sat out for the Bulldog rather than pancaking herself flat on her stomach. She's going to have to watch out for that. Now, I can't get on her because, again, you know, it, wrestling is is live and, you know, you got a, a couple of seconds to make that decision on what you're doing. And she might have got the communication mixed up. <clears throat> that may have happened. Backstab her out of the corner. But, um... The only thing I can say is, you know, just be careful out there because that that could have been nasty if Crush had really hooked her in and and compressed her spine while she was sitting down on that that bulldog. And I tried to go for a mafia kick, looks like. Pops her up, catches her with the, the fist, hoists her up on her shoulders as Crush. A lot of these are just a showcase for Candy Crush. Elbows look like she's going in, hooked her in, kind of a loose dragon sleeper there. Or a position for it. When it was the leg that's used, we called it the final cut. But, you know, who knows what Wild refers to that as. Nice knee lifts or knee lift. And Crush goes into this pretty smoothly. Pretty smoothly. She goes into that that Olympic slam. I forget what they, what they call it. Lights out. And there you go. Match is over with. Pretty much like every other wild match, <laughs> just you know, it was, it was short, sweet. It was, it was entertaining, but you know, we really don't go beyond like five minutes or whatever the case may be. And that was that. Nice, but you know, what what can I really say here? Uh, cold match, entertaining to watch. Don't know where they're going with the uh, Exodus, Exile, Genesis. You know, I don't know where they're going with that, but I guess time will tell. The next segment, Jesse Jones and Americana. We we all saw this coming. This is uh, Americana coming to what is supposed to be their locker room, knocking on the door, and Jesse essentially doesn't want to see her, and, and really rightfully so. So like if you embarrass me, you humiliated me, you know, you I the one thing that I thought they left out here is that she, she didn't harp on you took away my undefeated streak. You caused that. Now, of course, it was still important 
that she had a title opportunity in front of her that her alleged friend and partner screwed up. So although she did not mention what I felt was just as important in this, the undefeated streak, she projects with so much passion and fire that it still works. Jesse Jones may be the best thing that WoW has overall. She she may legitimately be the best thing on WoW TV. I know that by trade, she's not an actress, but she presents so much better, especially when she's standing there next to Americana. Americana just... I want to, <laughs> I want to like her, but uh, or, or like her as a wrestler, but it's just this makes it so hard, and it's like they refuse to admit that she is not fully ready for this. They just will not let this go. So anyway, and it also I also have to point out. That this segment alone was posted five days before the show aired. All these segments that I'm about to talk about throughout the course of this, they all posted five days prior to, excuse me, four days prior to the show going on air. So if you were looking at this and expecting uh, it just to be the previous week's show and not get any spoilers, you were in for a shock. That this spoiled Whatever it was that Jesse Jones and Americana was going through, you can see the entire thing before the show ever broadcast. I do not know if that was a mistake. I do know that Wild does not typically do that. Normally, they don't. They don't just like, oh, man, let's just put this stuff up. And if you catch it, you catch it. Usually... It comes on days after the fact, like it, when the when the episode airs on Saturday, I expect to start seeing clips of the show sometimes late Sunday and Monday, definitely by Monday. I start seeing it by then. But what I've never seen them do is take anything out of the show and air it days ahead of time. So I'm just going to go off of the assumption, and I will, I will openly say. It is my assumption. I'm not saying this is a fact. I think that this was just an error on somebody's part. Whoever did the social media that day, whoever was in charge of the uploads for YouTube, just started uploading things before it was necessary. So you you have that. The next thing or the next segment was Miami Sweet Heat versus Tiki tomorrow and Chantilla Cella. This is another cold match. This is everything that you expect it to be. Uh, I wrote down, playing the part of Foxy Fierce would be Tiki tomorrow. And this is exactly that. Chella gets another jobber partner to go into this match with, and there is no shock or surprise who won this. The match's outcome isn't in doubt at all. And a good chunk of this, the commentators spend talking about the main event and the beast. And as they were talking about that, I started thinking, whatever happened to the angle with the Beast and Sofia Lopez? Yes, I realize I'm completely ignoring this match, but but it, it just hit me as they were talking. It's like, whatever happened to that angle? Whatever happened to the Beast and Sofia Lopez when she showed up in the bowels of the building 
with the flash drive. Hands it to the beast. Says, ah, you owe me one. That's been like weeks ago. And if anything, why would she have cashed that in on the beast when she needed it with uh, the, the Miami Sweet Heat? That would have been the time to do it. And it would have gotten her, you know, more heat for her and her team and possibly a win. But I have lost all faith in Sofia Lopez, Tormenta, and Las Banditas. That's off track, but you know, we'll we'll uh we'll get to that. Uh there's a portion in this tag. I mean, the match is fine. It's it's you've got at least Three out of the four people who work beyond wow. I'm not saying that Miami Sweet Heat is a perfect team, but they are, you know, probably better than most of them there. But there are, or at least there was a portion in this match where the move was completely telegraphed. Like, and I don't blame the team for that. I'm just gonna say I do not blame the team for that. What I do blame is the camera angle because they took the wide shot. The wide aerial shot. And it showed, uh, I can't never, Blondie, we'll just call her that because I could never get to Lindsay and Laurie, but, you know, I think it was Laurie. She's standing there in the middle of the ring. Tika Chamara goes to the ropes. Laurie gets to the center and she holds her arms in such a way that you know that when Chamara gets to her, I am going to do a tilt-the-world backbreaker or a tilt-the-world side slam, one of the two. And lo and behold, this is exactly what happened. And, well, I think it was true. Was it? No, I wrote down Chella. So, yeah, you, you have that. Then there was a kind of a botch on the pin attempt where uh, Lindsay kicks out of the pin. Laura was coming over to do the save, but uh, the kick out happened, so she had to kind of readjust and nail <laughs> to tomorrow, I believe it was tomorrow, and uh, hit her even though she was not on her sister any longer. Again, I don't blame that. That's just one of those things that happens. Sometimes, as stated earlier, the communication just gets a little wacky and, you know, and things happen. Um, there was also a point where Lindsay kind of had to position herself on the ropes. She gets knocked down. And what was supposed to have been landing on the second rope, and she clearly has to force herself into position so she could take the 619 or whatever they call it. Uh, same rules apply there. You know, things happen. You don't want too many of those things happening in succession, but things happen. Uh there's nothing here. I mean, it it the match is it's it's a showcase for Sweet Heat, and they win with their fab jab, which is the elbow, the flying elbow back suplex combo, and, and it looked fine. I I I was good with it. I didn't care that they won because Chella and Chamaro have never been teamed up to the point that they've pre- been presented as anything uh, worth winning. I think they they teamed up before, but. Is it, it, it certainly isn't worth keeping in mind because you know where they are in this. You know where they're supposed to be. They are the team that puts over the other teams. That's that's their job. And when Foxy Fierce inevitably returns, she'll just slot herself right back into that and be uh, you know the person that jobs out to other people. 
Not a bad thing. That's just her role. After the match, Miami Sweet Heat cut a promo, essentially saying they should be on top. Uh, this is probably the only downside I have. Like they, they talk with a lot of fire. They talk with a lot of purpose, but they don't have any declaration. We're coming back after you, the Tonga Twins. We, you know, they, they want the tag team titles, and we're on top, and we're the best team. We're the main event. It's just words. There, there's no. This is what we're going to do, or give us this. It is the same promo that almost everyone else on this show does, whether they do anything about it or not. We've heard this. From exile before they had their problems, we heard this out of uh, uh, Gambino. We've heard this out of Jesse Jones. We've heard this out of Los Bandidas and Sofia Lopez. We've heard this practically out of everyone on the roster in some way, shape, form, or another that I want to be the champion and I, we're the best and blah blah blah. There's very little time or, or few times where. The wild superheroes have a declaration of this is what I am going to do. And I'm going to do it to this person. There's nothing specific. It is almost always vague. It sounds good because they they project with a lot of, like I say, conviction. But that's what you do when you're trying to answer without answering. You know? These are the thing. These are tricks that happen in public speaking. Sometimes, if I, I don't want to rope in politics, but it happens with political figures a lot. They get asked a question and they just go rambling off on something. You know, it's a, a better one. Uh, Tony Khan. He's he's probably just just as good with that. He, he'll get asked a direct question, and then the next thing you know, he starts talking with conviction about how good AEW is, how great everything is. Uh, we just did this. We broke records, and, you know. And he'll completely wrap himself around whatever the topic may be. Now, of course, Miami Sweet Heat wasn't asked a question. Neither was Lana Star. But it's like I said, it's the same rules they apply in that we have something to say, and then they'll say it. But there's not any real substance to what's been said beyond the standard. We're the best, and we should be the champions. We've had the titles twice, and you know. But I will give credit where it's due in this regard. This is the closest that we probably get to a promo that suits who they are. If Wildhat year in awards, Miami Sweet Heat probably deserves it. Just in, in a kayfabe universe. They they probably would deserve tag team of the year they've been in more main events than anybody single or uh tag throughout the entire year 2023 and they probably have had better matches all due respect to the tonga twins than they have had overall they if i was giving out awards for it they i would probably hand it to them the next segment is a uh, follow-up with Jesse Jones and the return of Amber O'Neill. 
This is both good and bad. The good. Amber O'Neill comes back. I didn't have a problem with Amber O'Neill coming back, and I didn't have a problem uh, in the same vein that I did with Abilene Maverick because Abilene came out as some, some sort of advertised surprise where it was like, oh, who's going to be the wild card? So there was a certain amount of anticipation to that. And it was presented as if it was some sort of big deal, which it wasn't. And it happened in front of the audience, which they didn't know who she was. But with Amber, in a backstage segment, somebody who's been on the show more recently than Abilene Maverick, this was fine. It worked because, again, it wasn't like, we got a special surprise for you fans. You'll never guess. You know, it, it wasn't built up like it was supposed to be some sort of huge thing. So her coming back, I, I really didn't have any uh, gripe with, didn't have any sort of issues with in, in terms of that. But here is where I hated it. Amber does her job here. Both Amber and Jesse Jones do their job. Let's just go ahead and clear the air with that. They both do what they're supposed to do. Amber comes in as the, I can't believe you let this happen. You let this rookie and her kid turn, turn you soft and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's what it needed to be. Uh, Jesse Jones reacting before she even knew who it was. It's like, I told you to get out of my locker room. Then she looks up like, oh, Amber, you know. So all of those things worked in my view. What didn't work is David McClain talking over this thing. Like, what purpose did he have in doing that? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and watch the segment. She, not she, he is talking over this, not the entire, not the entirety of it, but he's talking over it. And it's just ridiculous that he's doing that. I get the fact that he's trying to explain it. You know, I, I understand that that's what he's attempting to do. He's like, oh, it's Amber O'Neill. She's returned a while. They used to be friends and part of But he's saying all of this while Amber O'Neill is talking. He's been in TV for 30 something years. How on earth he could assume that that is acceptable? is beyond me. That is ridiculous and amateurish. And it had been different if he had just said one thing and just let it breathe, but he kept going. Everything he said could have been saved for a follow-up segment. It could have been saved for as soon as that cut, go right to the commentator's table and recap what we just saw. I can't believe that, Nigel. Amber O'Neill just came back. We haven't seen her since... Etc., etc., etc. Rather than trying to cram all of that into this segment all at once, why would you do that? It is just, I mean, I see people who do things on YouTube who do it better than this. It shot well, they performed it well, but then you had this knucklehead on the microphone over talking them all. 
it makes it difficult to understand what she, when you're trying to focus on what Amber's saying, hearing his raspy voice behind it. So I don't know. And he has a problem with that. He doesn't let the scene breathe. Let the scene breathe, bro. Let it breathe. Let, let them tell the story and then you recap it. Where is Jeannie Buss? Where does, does she even watch this show? I can't imagine being the owner of this and then seeing that segment. Like, what the hell are you doing? Shut up. Let, let them do what they're doing. Like, this should be one of those points where the owner should step in and like, look, they, I know this is your, your project, but don't talk over the talent. Don't talk over the talent unless it's just absolutely necessary. Let that go. Anyhow. Just a, just a pet peeve of mine. We go to the next segment, which is the next match, and it is Fury versus Princess Ozzy. This is another, this is the third in the line of the show, where it's just another cold match that has nothing leading into it and really nothing coming off of it. Uh, not in relation to, you know, the match itself. This is a babyface, essentially a babyface versus babyface match, and there's there's no stakes here. It's just it's just a match for the sake of a match. It's just filling up time. And the commentators are really, really, really trying to justify Princess Ozzy and the decisions that she made in in uh, initiating this championship challenge match which i if you have to go through all of this to try and make her sound like she made a sound decision then something's wrong they, they you know she's a giving champion she never felt like she got opportunity yada 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 you know the same thing that led into this but at the same time she has been presented as somebody who just ridiculously and, and absurdly decided that I'm just going to take on four people at one time. And the reward for me coming up with this championship challenge match is that I get to go out number one. I get to be first in a match that I have to do no less than 10 minutes, which, you know, again, wow is uh, – notorious for these short matches it probably should have been a longer match to try to get it over i said that pre last week previous podcast but uh yeah this this was uh not it didn't convince me I, i'll put it away. i'm not gonna say it wasn't good i understood what it was trying to do but it didn't convince me i cannot see many people adults at least looking at her as if I got sympathy for you. Um, this only kind of reinforced in my mind the inconsistencies of, of wow in terms of who gets title shots and why and all that good stuff. The match, fine. It was it was a fine match. These are two pros in here. But as stated earlier, not really anything behind this. 
There was really no doubt in who was going to win it either. And going back to what I said earlier, Fury, she was another person who cut a promo about won the championship that probably is never going to get it. Because it's just audio filler. We just need we need you to do a promo that doesn't relate to anything or anyone. You know, saying that I want to be the champion is probably the safest thing that any one of them can say on any given episode, and it'll work. We can slot this into any any show because it's, it's an evergreen statement. But anyhow, the match ends exactly the way you thought it was going to end. Fury gets caught with a cutter, and then she gets caught with a frog splash. One, two, three is over with. There's no point in even going into the play-by-play of that. So at the end of this... Princess Ozzy uh, cuts a promo after the match. Now, this promo was more specific, and I was really shocked that it was. What I didn't like is her crying about her loss. She talks about Abilene Maverick getting what she didn't. <laughs> she, I got the confetti, and I got to raise my hand and had the championship. Only I didn't. I was like, okay. In my mind, okay, she didn't have the confetti. She got her hand raised and she was praised and all that other stuff, but she didn't get the showcase that uh, Abilene Maverick got because Abilene Maverick wanted, for better or worse, she won the championship challenge match, which probably deserves you know confetti. This is the first time we have it. It made sense. I'll give Wild this much credit. The confetti at the end of that match made sense because, you know, this is a first-time event. It was supposed to be a big deal. It wasn't. But in their universe, it was supposed to be, a you know, a, a big deal. Like, hey, I won the first-ever championship challenge. But I, is, I find myself having a hard time sympathizing with Princess Ozzy when she is the one that initiated this thing. I, I offer you the suggestion of a, of a championship match, but I don't know who's in it or how it's going to operate. And the as I said, the reward for my efforts in coming up with this is that I get to go into it first and have to deal with everybody. And she's standing there crying about it. I don't feel like a champion anymore, probably because you're not. <laughs> it is... Is this was an overcome adversity promo? That's that's basically all this is. This is a I got knocked down. Uh, my feelings are hurt. I'm sad, but I'll keep fighting for all of you fans. You know, it's one of those. It was performed well, but not really that much to it. And. The next note that I had is why didn't Ozzy get a rematch? This it, it it keeps coming back around to inconsistencies of wow. Why is it that the beast gets an immediate title shot, having competed and lost in this championship challenge match when the champion herself lost, was pinned, and saw no return in sight. Why wasn't this her? Why didn't she get to the main event like, hey, I, I, you know, 
especially the way that they went out there to like, well, you cheated. I mean, you stole is what he said. He didn't say cheated. So I, I want to make sure I got that right. But you stole the championship. So why wouldn't you start off the shows like, you know, Princess Ozzy deserves a rematch. She's getting a rematch tonight or whatever. Inconsistent. But we'll see if she gets a shot later on. It would be hilarious to me if she never gets another time shot. <laughs> I, I shouldn't laugh at that, but yeah, it, it would just be hilarious to me if she never saw another title match after this stupid moment of, I got a title, I got an idea, David, I want to take on everybody, I want to fight the world. I'm like, well, you got what you asked for, you lost. So there's no sympathy here for me. So yeah, uh, Performed well in the promo, but the promo really didn't do anything or go anywhere. It's not that much to it. It's, it's overcome adversity. The only thing that was missing is kids say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and you too can win and overcome the odds if you stick to it and blah, 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 blah. The next segment was the unveiling of the Wild Trios Championship Tournament. They are announcing another tournament. I, I immediately tuned right out when I saw this. And it's not because of the trophy. I have advocated for a while to have some secondary thing that they could go after, the, you know, the people that aren't doing anything. But in my view, it should not have been another tag team tournament of any sort. They didn't really do the first tag team tournament well, so why do this one? And I already know, as I feel it in my bones, in my bones, I tell you. <laughs> but I can already feel where this is going. They're going to announce this tournament, and they're just going to have people randomly pop up without showing any sort of brackets. I mean, I would be shocked. I'd be pleasantly surprised, actually, if they show brackets for the tournament and stick to it. But what I expect is for them to have match after match after match of six women tags, trios matches, and not show you who's up against who so they can re-slot people when necessary, which is what happened in the tag team tournament. They just kind of re-slotted people when, when they needed to do it because there was no brackets there to show that they couldn't. Um. The announcement was nice. Nigel does a, a nice job in presenting it. <clears throat> the trophy, I, I, I like that they have that. I, so I'm assuming that this is a uh, somewhat of an annual thing rather than a defensible championship. Um, I still would have preferred this to be like a singular thing because some of those people need something to go after. Your your Kita Rushes, your Candy Crush, your Slays, your Foxy Fierces, uh, Fury, you know, you name it. Anybody that's not tied up into that main event mix needs something else to do. And I also expect either a hodgepodge of teams to be thrown together or the few teams and factions that exist there to, you know, go forward. If I were going to make any sort of assumption, I mean, without having seen anybody that's in this, 
Miami Sweet Heat and Penelope Pink would be my number one pick to win the tournament just because I think that's who David McLean has a fixation on and they have to win everything. Who should win, and it should have happened before they got to Miami Sweet Heat, it should have been Lopez leading um, Tormenta and and, uh, Las Banditas. That would have been fine for them, especially... You know, considering it's Los Angeles, the trios matches happen there a little bit more frequently than, you know, most other regions in the wrestling sphere. I, 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 I don't know why they would name it that rather than the six-person championship. But, but again, you know, the trios is, is uh, the fashionable title for it now, largely because of AEW. I mean, I'm not even sure that they use their own trios thing all that much. Uh if not them, who else is there that could actually form a team? And you know, the, you know what? Team spirit. That that'd be my number. If I had three picks here, my number one pick is going to be uh, Miami Sweet Heat and Penelope Pink, and or Vicky Lynn. My number two pick, Team Spirit. Whichever incarnation that happens to be. I forget the uh, the new person's names, but you know they're all cheerleaders, along with Ariel Sky. So I can I can see that. The long shot pick is going to be Banditas and Tormenta. I mean, that's a long shot. Exile, I'm not even sure is going to be a team. So I I I will go with the three that I just said. Uh, the segment came off fine. Like I said, not presented it well. I would prefer something different. I don't like wild tournaments. I don't think they do them good. But as a presentation, the segment's good. We go to what is the best portion of this show. The thread of Jesse Jones throughout the program. This is the best thing that happened on the program, in my opinion. It it was the one thing that kind of kept the show together. So Jesse Jones with Amber O'Neill go to attack Americana in a locker room. There's really no other way to phrase that. And they actually acknowledged the cameraman. This was not an invisible eye <laughs> this time. So I guess it should be stated that at the end of um, Jesse Jones being confronted, for lack of a better term, by Amber O'Neill, her former tag partner and and current tag partner on the um, on the Indies. Now they used to go by Grits and Glam. Now I think they go by Bullets and Bourbon. So after that, Amber gives her her Make Wrestling Great Again hat, which in that audience is probably really going to get her some heat because, you know, she if she starts doing the same things that she's been doing, wearing Donald Trump socks and stuff like that, yeah, I can see that that's probably going to get her some heat in that audience. I would really suggest that while steer away from the political humor or the political uh, implications on their show, is their program, but I would keep all of that neutral. Because it's not going to play everywhere the same. It, it just isn't. You know, so you should probably minimize that. And then I, it was fashionable at the time. 
I'm going to make wrestling great again. You know, I mean, what does that even mean? But she did it at the time because it was a fashionable thing and it was in vogue because Trump was in office and I'm going to make America great, you know, that that whole nonsense. But here it is, is that's such a heated topic and so polarizing. Like of all the things that they choose to, to go in on, they would do that. I, so, yeah, I, I, I would steer clear of that if it were me. But, you know, it's their show. I just watch it and review it. So uh, this is uh, Jesse Jones going in to attack Americana. Like I said, the previous segment with these two set this up. When she gets the hat back and Amber's essentially saying, well, what are you going to do about it? And she's like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. So, you know, this is this is the result. So she charges in. She sees Americana who, <laughs> her reactions are just priceless at times. They they are. They're, they're just priceless. Like, Jesse, who's this? She, she is so emotionless <laughs> You through a lot of these things. But Jesse, you know, gives her that that kind of point in the chest, like I just don't worry about her. This is between you and me. And then she takes her head and smashes it against the the locker, only not really. And you can really tell that she didn't do it. She didn't she didn't take it all that well. But you know, hey, it is what it is. She gets her down, and then she starts beating up on her. And that is when Amber turns and she addresses the camera. Like I said, this isn't an invisible eye, and I was shocked. And she walks him out. She's like, okay, that's enough. You got to get out of here. And, you know, that's you've seen all you should see. And then she puts the cameraman out and closes the door, which was surprising to me. Like I said, in most cases, the camera is an invisible eye in WoW's universe. It's not an actual camera. It just happens to be, you know, we can mystically see what's going on in WoW's universe. So that's how that that comes across i did skip one segment I, and i forgot or I, I didn't see my note here i should say and it's the note of abilene maverick's video package and this is to reintroduce who she is to the audience and this more or less sets her up as being the mean girl important you know they, they took all the clips of things that she's done over and these, these are clips from like five and six years ago her pouring tea over Steffi Slays at the, at her house. That, that was the angle that really didn't go far. Uh, her hitting the crutch over the back of somebody, yanking somebody off the apron, uh, cake in the face, you know, just, just stuff like that. This is probably as good of a job as they could do, considering that she doesn't have a real angle or match in wild to stand on to say she did this or she did that and she's been in the main event and she took on so-and-so and she beat this person and she defeated that person. There's not really much in her history that shows this. So they showed you what they could. Her taking on the, the people that you expect her to take on. Now they didn't show her winning anything. They just showed her abusing people. Which as a heel, it's fine. It's fine that she has that. It's fine that they showed that. It's just that she doesn't have much else to be shown. 
This is Abilene Maverick, folks. And, you know, we're putting this off like it was uh, a great pick for her to come back. But then they show all of this stuff where she's just horrible to everyone in the locker room. Uh, it was it was fine, I guess. <laughs> it's like, there's not really much that we can uh, put behind that. It, it was it was okay for what it was, and it served its purposes. Just inter- reintroducing Abilene Maverick to the uh, uh, the wild audience, or or introducing her straight up, because I'm sure there's a lot of people there that didn't watch it and don't know who she is. So. <clears throat> we can move on from that. And, of course, they set up for the main event. Speaking of the main event, we go to the Beast versus Abilene Maverick. We will not question how the Beast got her championship shot other than that she's just the Beast and she gets a championship shot. I wrote as this was broadcasting when I looked at the time, I said, okay, this match is destined to be short. And it was. It was it was destined to be short. I don't think this match probably went beyond four minutes. Maybe. Four and a half, possibly, somewhere in there. They uh the commentators do a massive hype job for this. Like this is this is a big deal, you know that that I I know that that's the job of the commentator. You got to hype the match. You have to hype the match. But my only drawback and my the only flaw that I would say that I feel exists in them hyping the matchup is that Abilene Maverick, despite the fact that they gave this promo package has no resume in WoW's current climate to get anyone excited about this. Sorry. I had to take a little drink there. But anyway, yeah, there's nothing that she's done that would get anyone excited about this match. She doesn't have some sort of long-standing win, you know, win-loss record or a string of victories underneath it. I, put it this way. If Jesse Jones had been in the match, let's say, the championship challenge match, and she won, she would have still been undefeated, right? And if they said, okay, well, now we're going to give it to the person that's next up in line, and that is the beast, that would be worth getting excited about because you would have had two major forces colliding. Abilene Maverick, I'm not Abilene Maverick, but Jesse Jones, who have been undefeated, and the Beast, who has been presented as unstoppable. Who's going to win? That's a matchup. This was just filler. Yes, Abilene Maverick is a good wrestler. Barbie Hayden, formerly. She's a good wrestler. She just didn't have the, you know, the, 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 the cachet in her her wrestling wow wrestling background for this to mean anything and what exactly does the governor's daughter mean i mean this is it comes off to me like another one of those things that david mcclain just likes to do or likes the sound of like you'll be the governor's daughter what does that mean exactly 
how does that play into anyone's character or persona? You never hear her even talk about her father. And I air quote father here. I didn't see it when I was watching the show back then. I certainly haven't seen it now. Like my daddy bought me this or my daddy got me. I mean, it, it would be it would make more sense to me if something like that would happen. Jim Cornette came off more like, you know, the mama's boy because he constantly brought her up back in those days. You know, the, uh, a fine to me is nothing more than a phone call home to mama. Mom's got money and she'll pay any fine that you levied out. I, was, I don't care about no fine. Mama, mama will take care of that. Mama Cornette handles that. It would lend itself into Abilene Maverick is if she did something along those lines. My daddy is the, the governor of the state of Texas or wherever she's supposed to be from. And he'll take care of such and such and, you know, whatever fines. You see what I'm saying? It's just a title, and it's a title that has no bearing. Like, what about her being the governor's daughter is significant other than it's just a name? So anyhow, <clears throat> the commentators are trying to convince the audience that Ozzy was robbed of this moment. I don't understand how that could be when the rules of the match was that it's every person for themselves. And it's not like Abilene Maverick cheated. It's not like she used a chair or, or uh, I don't know, handcuffs. or yeah, Something that would you could point at and be like, well, she just got an unfair advantage. It's not her. If I'm going to play the heel announcer, it's not her fault that she got the wild card position that Dave McLean's fault it's not her fault that this that she was brought back in a multi-person match where she was just able to push somebody off and then steal the pin none of those things are her fault that's the way the rules are structured and it's not her fault that that match is that way she didn't make the match Dave McLean did she didn't even suggest the match Princess Ozzy did so I do not understand what the commentators are trying to convince the audience of without having some sort of visual proof that this occurred. It would have been a different thing if she had come out there and she had something that gave her an absolute unfair advantage. Spraying people in the face with mace. Handcuffing somebody to the post so they can't get in to make the save. You know, using rope or something to tie, you know, tie their legs the way they can't kick out anything. But as this is, this is just complaining for uh, what well, I shouldn't say complaining. It's just them trying to uh, steer their audience into a direction to agree. And you have to like the baby faces and you have to hate the heels, which is what they should do. But this is not a good way to go about doing it. She, Abilene Maverick in, in this universe really didn't do anything wrong. Is she arrogant? Yes. Is she narcissistic? Absolutely. Is she Was she annoying on the microphone despite the fact that she didn't say all that much? Totally. But she didn't cheat. All of those other things could be true, but she did not cheat. So this, the thing that I wrote when they start saying – you know, Ozzy was robbed at this moment. Abilene Maverick came out of nowhere and she got the confetti and she got the championship and this, that, and the other. The thing I wrote after that was whose fault is that? 
Princess Ozzy's fault. She put herself in that position, not Abilene Maverick. Abilene Maverick wasn't even there. But getting into the match, Abilene Maverick was speared by the Beast early in the match. Now, normally when she delivers a spear and the person takes it, they usually are down for the count. In this case, I guess he could let that slide because it happened early and and Maverick just kind of rolled out to the floor to prevent being pinned. Uh, Like I said, this this match is bell to bell at least. This match is probably all of four or five minutes long. It is it is super short. Also, not the way that I would reintroduce Abilene Maverick or my new champion by having her have a subpar title defense. I mean, even if she had to cheat to win, she should have won. But that didn't happen. Uh... Maverick works on the leg of the beast at some point in the match. You know, once she gets out to the floor and she, like, takes her breather. This match is set up essentially as the beast being an unstoppable powerhouse and, and Maverick trying to overcome that. Even when she's selling the spear on the outside, it doesn't look like she was, it almost looked like she's, playing it up like oh, oh yeah i gotta take a time out and uh oh my neck i gotta i gotta twist it and pop it back into place and say so, you know she is not like the spear like oh my god I, my guts are on fire because of that you know that that kind of thing in fact by the time the beast comes out to the floor the effects of the spear are long gone maverick is moving around perfectly fine and there's nothing else to that. So she goes after the leg, and, and of course, everybody goes after the leg of the beast now because well, she had an ankle broken, and she's going after that 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 leg that was busted. You know that this is happening. Uh, but this does not take long. It's a little bit of time before we get the beast using her immense strength and power to overcome Abilene Maverick. She is going for a pin. Maverick is. Beast shoves her off. Maverick tried to charge in and essentially catches her in what was known as a black hole slam. Now, you know, that's a move that Abyss in TNA slash Impact Wrestling, I guess TNA again. Uh, he made that famous. Catches her, charged in, spins her around, slams her down. Not the best version of it, but it but it's passable. It's, you know, no, nothing worth like, oh, that's terrible. It was it wasn't that. It just <clears throat> just wasn't as high up a slam as it probably could have been. So she gets that, and then we go in for the the beast bomb. Now she just slings Maverick around, sets her up for her her finish. That being the beast bomb. And, of course, she hits the beast ball, nails her. You know, Maverick doesn't have anything left in this short match. She gets powered down. And before you know it, Tormenta comes in and she busts it up. I'd put down beast power bombs, uh, Maverick, but Tormenta, for some reason, attacks the beast. 
This is an attack without reason. And it is. It's just attack without rhyme or reason. And it only made me feel like, you know, this is coming back around to my original pitch. All those months ago, you could have gotten to this without having to do something ridiculous, and it would have made sense. My pitch was when the beast had her leg broken, and then they had to go into putting the hat on the hat, as I called it. Having somebody come behind her and break it again. Rather than to do that, I said, you know, Tormenta was essentially the person that landed on her leg and, and popped her, her ankle. She should just have Sophia Lopez go around claiming that, yeah, I put out the beast. I stopped the unstoppable. I did what no one else in this company could do, or she did what no one else in this company could do. She put the beast on the shelf. No one can say that except for my tormentor. That's what should have happened rather than Tormenta going in there and losing nonstop. Like, why would I care about Tormenta versus the Beast? She couldn't beat anyone else on this roster. So why would I care about her versus the Beast when it's almost certainly, 99% certain that she is going to go into that match and she's going to lose because she always loses. There's there's nothing to that. It would have made it would have taken a more logical turn if Sofia Lopez was doing that, hyping Tormenta up as the one that put the beast on the shelf. The beast comes back. She has a match with Tormenta, let's say leading into number one contendership, and the beast beats her. And now you have this match, and Tormenta would want revenge. I'm going to come in. If I can't win the championship, you can't either. So she just come in and stop it. And you're going to give me another rematch and we'll really find out who's best and whatever stipulation happens to be. That would have felt more a logical progression in my view. Here is just a random attack. Is this going to tie into the flash drive? Is this going to tie into the championship challenge match? Is this going to tie into anything at all? Who knows? Who knows? I hope it does so I can be wrong. There's a lot of times when I review this show that I want to be wrong. I want them to prove me wrong, but it just doesn't happen. So we got that going on, and I guess it is now the Beast versus Tormenta in you know, uh, some future match. The Beast won this match, by the way. She wins by disqualification. And that's the show. Oh, yes. And they advertised, next week, fans, the Mighty Mites are going to be in action. And I wrote, who the hell are they? I I love how Dave McClain says that, like we're just supposed to be like, the Mighty Mites, well, hell, I need to tune in. But I, who are the Mighty Mites? I've seen the pictures, and I I. Theoretically, I know who they are, but you get what I'm going with this. Like, for the average fan and the average person that's watching the show, who are the Mighty Mites and why am I getting excited for them? They haven't had any preceding vignettes. They haven't had any matches that have been shown like, hey, these we're bringing these two people in. Let's show a match from them uh, wrestling in Texas. 
there's nothing that is hyping them other than the fact that they have a graphic on the screen and, and Dave McClain say, yeah, next week is the Mighty Mites. It's going to be insane, fans. How do you tell them apart, the twins or whatever, you know. It, uh, things like that. Things like that is what makes me feel like, you know, wow, either needs a complete repackaging or they need to figure out how to make this thing work a little better because it ain't working all that well in, in my view. It just eh, it just provides content at times, and this is one of those times. It's just content over the air to make sure that we got a show to run. And if that's how they get paid, then they probably should. Just, just make sure you crank out a show. And that's what this felt like. It just felt like that. I got to make sure I crank out a show, and they did. That was the entirety of the episode the recap this episode felt a lot less about the match or the matches and more about the things around it none of the matches you know you could you could argue the main event had something behind it but none of these matches had anything behind it exodus versus candy crush uh fury versus ozzy uh, which one? I mean, Miami Sweet Heat versus Tiki Chamorro and Chantella Chella. Most of those matches had nothing behind. They had no lead in for it, and it didn't go anywhere, and it didn't start up a new angle or anything along those lines. They were, these were just matches. That's all they were. Now, could they have been entertaining? Sure. I'm sure there's somebody out there listening to this right now like, I enjoyed those matches, and you should enjoy the matches. But the show, the show did not have what it needed. That is the real flaw here. That the show didn't have what it needed. The matches, well, okay, those the matches were fine. For what they were, they were fine. But this show was a lot less about those matches and more about the things that took place around the match. The, the introduction of the of, uh, trios championship. The breaking up of Jesse Jones and uh, Americana. Uh, Amber O'Neill coming back. Princess Ozzy crying about the championship and the commentators feeding into that through other various points of the show. That's what this show felt like it was about. It wasn't about anything else other than that. E- even the main event didn't feel like it was some sort of main event. I knew that uh, Abilene was not going to pin the beast. I didn't know if she was going to win or lose, but I didn't feel like I said like, she can't pin the beast unless there's going to be some like massive help from somebody else. But that didn't happen. It was it was it wasn't help. It was a convenient save for Abilene Maverick. And in the, in the form of Tormenta. But this that that was it. That was the show, and that's how it came across to me. It's just a lot less about the matches and more about the things that went around it. I noted that uh, one of the big cons is David McLean needs to stop talking while the talent is talking. They probably should not do many more babyface versus babyface matches. Can the match be fine? Yes, but there's really nothing to gain here. And there was, you know. I, I questioned, I was like, is there no heel available? 
because that's all it was for. It was just, you know, you, you have to have Princess Ozzy beat somebody. But that didn't take place either. And Zayn, for better or worse, whether you like him or not, has a much stronger and less cartoony voice than Stephen Dickey or David McLean for that matter. We will see if he returns again to continue on his uh, commentating journey with the company. And that will do it. That is the entirety of the episode in full review. I was a little disappointed in this. Just a little bit. Not enough for me to say, oh, it's a D show or something like that, but it's, it's like a C. It's a, it, and I get more of those than anything else. It's just a C. This is the average show. It doesn't really have anything spectacular behind it. It's just, it's just a show for the sake of a show. And that's it. That's all that we got out of this. So, that said, I am going to wrap this up because that is the entirety of the program and I want to make sure that I tune in next week so I can see the new team, the Mighty Mites. You can hear the excitement in my voice. And I'm sure you will tune in to watch it as well. So that being said, folks, you know, let me uh, make one other little, sorry, one other little observation. I want to give... Uh, a few other notes about what's going on other than the Mighty Mikes because they're going to be taking on Last Call. Uh, who else do they have on this uh, upcoming episode here? And I'm sure that they've probably posted all these things as you're listening to it. Uh, spoiler alert, Los Banditas gets a title match against the Tonga Twins. How did this occur? How did this occur? Why? did this occur we'll find out over the weekend and uh, Katrina Jinx and Gambino not sure who's supposed to be the. I thought Katrina Jinx was supposed to be a heel here but we know Gambino's a heel while they're facing each other this comes off pretty much like Fury and, and Ozzy to me we just have to have a uh, match to fill the match and Goldie Collins and Campanelli taking on each other. I I don't dislike Campanelli, but and I do not. I'm no fan of Goldie Collins, but I will say just for Campanelli's sake, I'd like to see Collins win. I doubt it's gonna happen, but I would like to see it just because. So back to what we were saying to wrap this on up. Folks, thank you for tuning in to this podcast. I certainly appreciate it. If you are so inclined, feel free to subscribe, share, and like the videos. If you are listening to this podcast in audio format, uh, you can send messages uh, through our website because I, I will actually see it there. Uh, you can go and hit the contact us, and it will send you to the uh, the contact the contact page so I can read what it is or you can leave a comment when the, in these videos uh, comment sections I, I read those it'll uh, 
No. I think I need to take a drink. Ah, look, I almost made it through the show without having to do it too much, but I had to give up. But anyway, you can do all those things to support the program. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, leave your comments. You can go on to our, our website, WPNWrestling.com, and you can see the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week broadcast of all things that have been done for the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. To say nothing else, uh, you will be able to get all podcasts. There's a podcast list every upload goes there it's all in order um so if you miss one you can kind of scroll through there and you can find it so like i said we got the little podcast widget <clears throat> we got the uh the video widget there that does the 24 7 broadcast and of course that is the focal point that is the nexus that is the centerpiece of everything that uh the wpn does so if you are not sure about where and how to, to catch or find our stuff, then that's the safest place to go. WPNWrestling.com. WPNWrestling.com. And on that note, as I say again, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.